Welcome, everyone, to a special edition of the Juggalo Rewind podcast. We are interrupting your regularly scheduled program for a special interview. Oh, yes, we do interviews. This week, before we get too deep into season four, One Less G in the Hood, we wanted to take a step back and talk to the man behind some of your favorite music of this era. We are talking to none other than producer extraordinaire Fritz the Cat. You're going to hear lots of stories about not just the Blaze CD that we're talking about in Season 4, but also a little bit of Most Tasteless from Season 1, a little Dark Lotus from Season 2, and who knows where else the conversation will stray. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Chris and I talking to Fritz the Cat. Yo, Fritz! And we can shake our motherfucking rolls, too. That's Blaze, your dead homie. This motherfucker stuck in 1989. That's why his album's called One Less Gear. All right, everyone. Welcome back. We are here with a very special guest. Please welcome our good friend, Fritz the Cat. Fritz, what's going hey, on? Hey, man. What's happening, guys? Oh, not a whole lot. We're uh, glad to finally get in touch with you. Yeah. We have yeah. Lots, yeah. Lots to discuss. You are, uh, you've been a popular topic of discussion over our last couple seasons. Yeah, you've uh, weaved in and out of the story of a couple of the albums we discussed, so it's nice to get you on record here and to discuss it's a It's always bit. nice to be on record, because there's a lot of, you know, it's... There's a lot of shit out there, so yeah. you know it's 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 good to go right to the source if you right. want information. So. Agreed. Uh, we don't want to turn this into a you know history of you. We want to kind of keep it topical to what we've talked about in the past on our podcast. But there's a gotcha. couple things we need to start with. Um, I've done a little research. I do some research every once in a while. Investigative journalism. Yes. <laughs> Are you a native Michigander? I am a native Michigander. I grew up in Marquette, Michigan, up in the UP. Uper, that's good. Yeah. Um, my family, yep. my wife's family is all Uper born, Uper bred, so I'm familiar awesome. with the, the area. So you're a Green Bay fan then, right? Because everyone in the UP is. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's everybody up there is a Green Bay fan. I really wasn't. I was more into like the college hockey, like right. the Michigan Tech Huskies and NMU. So nice that rather than football, because it was like, yeah, because Green Bay sucked back then. <laughs> so they still do. <laughs> well, yeah, but for other reasons. Will, so. <laughs> Uh, so you uh, grew up in Marquette, uh, up in the UP. Yeah. You uh, came down to Delta College, correct? Delta College, that is correct. So you're in you're making your way down the down the state here. Yep, in beautiful University Center, Michigan, in between uh, Midland, Bay City, and Saginaw. Hmm. Yeah, I Duke think I, electronics. I looked it up, and I'm like, where is this? I just I had no. It's clue. in the middle of a cornfield. So. <laughs> It's yeah, I, I did. I went there for two years. I didn't get I didn't get a degree or anything, but I went for electronics. But I made 
I ended up taking a physics class there that was called the science of musical sound. And that was like, this electronic shit's got to go, man. I got to, <laughs> I got to recordings where it's at. It was just, it was all about how musical sound works and synthesis and recording and all that cool shit. So that's cool. That's yeah. good to know. There's like a fundamental, you know, there's a science behind it. It's not just turning on the microphones like we do. Like you're, you're a professional. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, I'd, I'd hope at this point, I'd <laughs> kind of consider myself a professional, but, you know. And uh, through the years, you were uh, in many bands, correct? And uh, different types of bands, which I found interesting. Well, uh, in a, yeah, it's not in a ton of different bands, but I've been in, uh, in you know, some interesting stuff. As a matter of fact, one of the things I was doing today is the guy who played guitar in my high school band is he's got a band he tours uh i wouldn't not necessarily just locally but he'll do ohio and he doesn't do it full time it's kind of like a hobby for him an expensive hobby mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's doing a solo album so i was doing some bass lines for him and that's a guy that i've known since 1985 so we still you know keep together and we're all still in music so nice you know i ask and there's no way we talked about it last week yeah. my father-in-law was in a punk band in the middle of the state in that time frame and i always wondered if you two somehow <laughs> crossed paths um the latin dogs was his band the latin dogs well back i was living in midland i moved down there in 87 and lived in lived there until i think mid 1989 and I was in a like a hardcore punk band called Morbid Fear. And they were all all those dudes were in high school. So they were all like super young. So we didn't do a whole lot. But we did, you know, it's we, we recorded some stuff. And but I'd shoot over to uh, Mount Pleasant to there was a bar called Tom's Foolery that had all the cool <laughs> Great name. punk Great. bands. So. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's there's a possibility I might have seen him if he ever played at Tom's Foolery. I'll have to you know, uh, I, do a little I, research. I, I saw a lot of shit go down there. So <laughs> if uh, you're ever at an Astronomicon, he always comes and visits us there. So he'll talk your ear off about music if uh, he gets the chance. So <laughs> awesome! <laughs> I'll give you the heads up if you have an hour to kill. Uh, so yeah, we don't want to again. We don't want to go too far back in the past, but that's a good. Uh, Way the groundwork. Yeah, because you're a musician's musician at this point. You're not just someone who, as we're about to talk about, worked at the disc. You know, you've been in right. bands. You you have a musical background. Um, yeah. But eventually, you did make your way to the disc, which we've talked about right a, a great number of times. Interesting transition though, because you're coming from punk hardcore. And the disc, at least it well, seems it, the I time. Went, I worked for. Let's see here three years maybe i my first professional recording gig was doing like commercials we didn't do hardly any music at all but doing like recording voiceovers and Mm -hmm. professional speakers and and like production type of stuff but not really a whole lot of music but then after hours i'd you know record my record my band or I, i worked on a soundtrack for uh for a film when I was working there. But then after that is when I went over to the disc, but the disc is where I had the recording Institute of Detroit is where I went in 1989 to Mm. recording school. 
So okay. I already, it's one of the guys that I knew was, was working for the school over there. He's like, well, shit, you know, give Greg a call. And I went in and he's like, okay, yeah, fine. You know, so. <laughs> and obviously the disc, at least from a hip hop side of things in Detroit, I mean, a who's who went through there um, and not just hip hop. I mean, you've talked about uh, Anita Baker recorded right. there. George Clinton's been there. But uh, uh, MC5 recorded there in the late 60s. Geez, wow. It used to be a place called uh, GM Studios, uh, not affiliated with the automaker, but uh, <laughs> but it was um, they did a lot of the soul stuff. So same type of thing as like Motown was doing, because there were a lot of places that were recording that type of music at the time in the you know mid 60s and stuff. But then Greg, who ran the disc, he used to work for Holland Dozier Holland, who were the songwriters for Motown. They wrote a lot of like the big Motown hits. They had their own studio and he worked for them. The guy who ran the school actually worked for Motown. So there was like a big Motown connection there. And I think that's what brought George Clinton and his people there. He's okay. like, okay, well, I know these people through his mm -hmm. connections with, you know, doo-wop and the soul people. So, yeah. And then once... With the George Clinton thing, that's when G-Funk stuff and the West Coast stuff took off. People are like, well, that's where George Clinton recorded. So all <laughs> the gangster rappers wanted to come. <laughs> so that's kind of how it transitioned to more of a rap uh, mecca, at least yeah, in that, that yeah, time frame. He was more than happy to take their money. So, he, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So it was, it was, I, when I first started there, I worked seven at night till seven in the morning, six days a week. I had Wednesday nights off and it was just nonstop, 12 hours a day, <laughs> just chaos. But I mean, I, I met a lot of, a lot of great people. And then, and here's, here's some crazy things that have happened. So I recorded a lot of like local people, like Mount Clemens people and Detroit people, uh, like 95, 96, you know, having a lot of people roll through there that just never, their, their shit never popped. They didn't have anybody to promote it. They just put it out locally and, mm. you know, that was it. But, you know, you do what you can do to make it a cool project. Well, right, right when COVID started, this guy got a hold of me and he's like, do you happen to have a copy a cassette copy of Daddy Ham Hog and Thangs. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> and I'm like, I I do. He's like, I'll give you a hundred bucks for it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, it's sitting in a shoebox. And, you know, I played bass on it. I engineered it. So then he started talking and then he was like, he was looking for, he's part of this collector's group that they just collect like just cassettes and just 90s stuff. Okay. So, oh, wow. and he knew all this shit that I worked on that was never, that maybe there were like a couple hundred copies made of this stuff, but he knew all of it. And yeah, it's like, like digging that up. <laughs> do you have, well, okay. So, so I sold him some stuff and then come to find out when I go to ship it to him, I can't just ship it to him because he's in Russia. <laughs> so it, you have to send it to a place yeah. in like Delaware and then they freight forward it once they have enough stuff to ship over to Russia. So that, I mean, blows my mind. Then earlier on last year, I had a guy who's like, what do you know about this cassette? Just sends me a Facebook message. And it's one of the, the only place he could get it is for the Russian guy. It's <laughs> a guy but went by the name of Lalo. And again, he did one project. That's all he ever did. Made a couple hundred copies. It was all in consignment. And probably most of the cassettes got thrown out. Well, 
he's like, what do you know about this? He got my name off the credits and then looked me up on social media. And I'm like, I know where you had to get that. Come to find out he's in the Netherlands, but he traded for it from some guy in France. So it went from <laughs> Russia to somehow to France to now it's in the Netherlands. And this guy's the same way. Is he just knows all of these, you know, obscure acts and they're right. all looking for the most obscure shit they can find. And just to have people appreciate that back when we were doing it, we'd put our all into it, but they couldn't promote it. Mm-hmm. They, it, it wasn't selling to all of a sudden it's like you got people that have an appreciation for what we were doing freaking 30 years later. I mean, that's, that's cool shit right there. So, you know, that's, that's good disc stuff. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Even just talking about the names of people who went through there that didn't make it like that's super interesting. Right. You didn't have, you know, the internet to upload anything you wanted. Like you had to put a lot of time, energy, money back then. So there's probably a ton of hidden gems. These guys are hunting down that kind of got lost in the shuffle, you know? Yeah. And I, and again, it was like the ones that, that got a push are usually the ones that had like drug money behind them, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and yeah, there was one act called the A-Team that put out a project and they actually had like a record label that they started and trademarked the name. And then like about a year later, some woman from California like called the studio and was like, I need contact information for these guys because they had one song. It was pretty dope, but she was like, wanted to know, how do I get a hold of these guys? We want to put this album out. And it was, swear to God, nothing. Radio silence, all the contact information we had is nothing. And it's still (laughs) just gone. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? They're just just gone. You know, their guys are just unreachable. It was like, okay, you had a record deal waiting for you, but you're I don't know, prison. (laughs) I mean, who knows? So Uh, who who else did we find? Like before we started digging into twisted and all them, like the only one that I wrote down was your name is in the credits for hush for roses and razor blades, which is an all time favorite of ours. The first time I worked with hush was for, uh, on a champ town EP. Okay. And he did production for champ town and, that was like the first mastering credits I had. And that's, that was like 96. And again, last year, you know, Hush just did a project with this guy, Bobby J from Rockaway out mm-hmm. of New York, just did an album and had me master it because he, he got my contact information again from trick trick. Cause I did some stuff for trick trick too. So Hush, Oh, Hush, as a matter of fact, Hush is performing, uh, February 25th at the old Miami in Detroit. Oh, really? Oh, old oh. Miami is a nice little yeah. bar. So, I mean, again, it was like, I've been working with him for forever too. So, you know, that's, there were were a lot of cool cats through there. There was some serious pieces of shit too, (laughs) you know, but there were a lot of cool people. So, and I'm just glad that some of them are still, you know, alive and kicking and doing it. So, So, I mean, that brings up a question I kind of wanted to ask further down the line, but you, I I think the hush thing kind of brings it up right Mm now. I see... And I'm a novice. Like, I, I like music, but I don't know the ins and outs of it. I see someone like your, you know, your name on a CD, and I don't know the difference between producing, mixing, mastering, like, engineering. It, 
I don't know if people think those are interchangeable, but in the topic of roses and razor blades, that came out in 2002, maybe? Yeah, one or two. That Mm -hmm. CD sounded so much better than everything else that was coming out at that time. No disrespect to like Paradigm or any of the guys who were putting out CDs then that were big. That was crisp, yeah. Yeah, you put Hush's CD in and it sounded like A-plus professional awesome sound like can you explain the differences between all of the credits and like maybe that one in particular like do you remember what you did to make that sound pop like it did because it's it's super it's crazy how professional it was compared to his cd before that right like you said everyone else was on the same level in like local hip-hop at the time with him well well he did i for for that one he might have been See, because our our main guy Scott Sumner there left uh, left because he was asking for more money, and the guy who ran the disc was just like, "No, once you top out at like the top per hour pay, that's it. If you want to work more hours, you can make more money." And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> how can what fourteen hours a day yeah. work? So it's like I'm talking my language it, at work now. So. <laughs> And, and Scott was like the guy that everybody, all the big people would go there to work with him. So Scott's like, okay, Scott opened up a studio like five miles down the street and took like a big hunk of the clientele just because Greg didn't want to pay him more. Mm-hmm. So it was like, eh, I don't know if that's quite the move, but so he might've been, I know that it was that he'd, uh, we'd record hush I don't know if I mix that one or if Scott mix that one because he did a lot of scuff with Scott after Scott opened up his studio. So I'd, I'd have to look at the. Yeah, I feel like Roses and, Ra- Roses and Razor Blades had just your name on it, right? Yeah, that's all. I didn't see Sumner's name listed because we were digging through it. But I, both those, your huh. name and his always pop up in our, our digging around. Yeah, because I, th- I think well, you may have you may have had credits on 150 MCs. And then I don't know about Hush's first CD, but then Roses and Razorblades was the second one that was like blew him up around here. I don't know. I see how they're interchangeable, well, and I'm not trying to make you dig in the archives of your brain from 20 <laughs> years ago. I just well, it's basically the the engineer, just a, a brass tacks. The engineer's a guy who hits a record button, uh, and the producers usually well. Traditionally, what the producer is, is the guy who gets like the sound together, tells the band, okay, these are the hot songs, you know, here, try this again, that sucked, do it again, (laughs) you know, he'll do that type of thing, you know, sometimes they might be the person who wrote the songs or... But now, like, especially with modern hip hop, the producer is generally the person who makes the beat. Mm -hmm. But traditionally, the producer's been the person who actually, you know is in the studio kind of direct and traffic. So it's kind of the lines get blurred there. Mm-hmm. So uh, you engineer the session, record everything, and then you go to mix it. You take all the elements and then mush them together. And then you have the song and then the mastering engineer puts everything in order and gives everything kind of the final spit shine and, you know, sequences the album. And so that that's kind of the traditional way that it's done but nowadays it's like i don't know you got people doing it on laptops in a bedroom so i don't know what they you can call yourself whatever so yeah you know i just always see them 
interchangeable. And I always want to make sure, you know, when someone says, oh, you know, Fritz is a great producer that I want to make sure is, are you producing the beat? Are you just hitting? Not, and that's I don't the thing, want to just that, say you're just hitting record, but you know, like I don't want to demean it. It's because I mean, for like with Twisted, a majority of what I do for them now is I engineer their sessions where I cut all their vocals, but like, you know, some of the stuff, will be my actual production, my music. And then some of it's other people's music. Some of the stuff I'll mix. Some of the stuff will ship over to uh, uh, straight jacket to mix or, you know, young wicked. Yeah. Uh, they have a good and, team of uh, diverse people. But like for the rock stuff, I'll record all the, the vocals for that. But then that's it's in the rock world. You have to have the rock people mix it and be hands-on with it because they're looking for a particular sound. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've been recording rap for 30 years, so that's like second nature to me, <laughs> but it's, it's like a different, the whole rock world is a different thing and you got to use the right people. It's like country where it's like really, I don't know, I wouldn't say like political, but you've got to use the right people or else there'll be like, yeah. <laughs> It's funny they, that you they ran into that where they had some rock stuff mixed by Joe Strange that he did like a rap mix on them and like the rock radio was like no it's not right. So that's when they got into using Johnny Andrews and then now they've been using uh you know doing a project with Zeus mm -hmm. so Rob Zombie's guy so that is interesting cuz it has sounded like it progressively became more of rock than like you said a rap album with rock elements. As each you know right. layer, yeah, they, and, went along. and I mean, we were doing, we were doing, uh, doing rock back, you know, back with Freak Show. Right, we were we were tinkering with that, and then you know, Man's Mutant. A lot of that was just straight rock stuff. So I mean, we were doing that, but now they're you know they're trying to do you know push the rock thing because I mean that's just another thing that they can do. So why wouldn't you do that? You yeah. know, if you can do it. You know, why not? Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, we're, I, I always like the rock sound in, in the hip hop, so I'm, I'm all for it. Now, there's no, no stopping me from, from enjoying that. Um, so no, I think that's all good. Uh, do you want to start jumping into? Yeah, we could round back, as you mentioned, Sumner. That was a, kind of our first question almost is, yeah, trying to get to the bottom of what Sumner was involved in when it came to Most Tasteless. If you knew anything about him at that time. He was because the he worked with them with House of Crazies. I think that they they did most of House of Crazy stuff with with the ROC. Mm -hmm. And that's how I knew them from. They would they would come in and Brian would have his eight track cassette recorder with them because they'd use that and then they'd dump their stuff down to our like our mastering guy. But he did they were, I think that it was for the, like a pre-twisted project or something, but they were working with Sumner and they did some stuff with him. And I think that that's probably the stuff that they sent over to Joe. And then that's when Joe was like, okay, well, we got to get Mike on this. Mm -hmm. that's, I think that'd be a good fit. That's pretty um, much what we've come to agree and believe with. They, they had stuff going. They for lack of a better word, took it away from ROC, you know, and form twisted, but they had that in their back pocket from Sumner. Which yeah. It's kind of hard to, most of hard to figure out how much they brought to the table, how much Sumner, you know, 
production wise it kind of seems well, like jumbled I, there it's I think just listening to it, I, knowing how they work and knowing, I think it was kind of an equal thing where he's he's got his talent that he brings to it. But then, like, Paul does a lot of production mm-hmm. and Jamie brings, like, you know, he's the one who'll bring in the, a cassette with, like, he'll just, like, record shit off of VHS and just have some weird shit like here can you loop this yeah there's plenty of that that old stuff is but that's yeah but that I mean that's how a lot of that stuff you know ends up cool like that right you take stuff and and do that so it it was I'm sure that that was like a a, you know with them and Sumner working together on it because I'm I think he gets production credit on that he does he has a lot of it uh, ROC has it on Murder, Murder, Murder. Yeah. Because I think that yeah. was the deal that he straight up made that beat for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but the yeah, rest of it, if not most, if not all, has got Sumner's name all over that. Yeah, it's original a 90% CD. for sure. We also bring that up because we tried to get in contact with Scott Sumner, and he... I, he just didn't want to be talked to. Uh, he didn't think that he was an interesting enough person to talk about <laughs> he's like why do you want to talk to me for what yeah. um but yeah that's always kind of our half-assed not dream but like yeah. hey this guy is out there no one ever hears from him but yeah just the interest right in the well stories. he because he, i was talking to uh i was talking to actually it was it was another guy that i knew from the from the disc era he he's got a studio out uh out in north of town and he ne- wanted me to come out and like hook up a bunch of shit for him and he used to be tight with scott and so i'm like so what's the deal because i and i've talked to people that have worked with scott like uh randy and alan lynch uh he was kind of like partners with with him in his studio and i've talked to them about it and it was just they they just ended up closing down the studio and okay. then he didn't want to move it to his house because i guess his wife's like oh hell no you're not having all those weirdos traipse through so he just got he just got like a a job he's working it for leonard syrups you know (laughs) slanging slanging soda syrup so you know I mean, we'll work know. with someone who's like in a band I, or whatever, and that's just his background. I don't, I don't know. It's just where you just like, okay, well, you know, I've I've been doing this for so long that you know, I don't I don't envision ever being like, well, I'm I'm just going to hang it up and not do this. <laughs> it's anymore. a whole different lifestyle, I imagine, once you step out of it. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like it's like some super cool party lifestyle. It's just that it's you know, it's funny because it was like I was at a. Uh, funeral over the weekend and the guy uh guy that was there he did drafting and he was like i'm 75 years old and he's still like i enjoy it i in you know i i got to come up with shit in my head and like lay it out on paper it's great why wouldn't i want to do that it's something i enjoy doing it's the same thing i enjoy i enjoy what i do so 
Well, we enjoy what you Why do, not? too. So, keep, so keep Scott doing. Sumner, they obviously, he must be getting fat paid with a syrup. Yeah. Deal, so, <laughs> you know. Well, from what we heard, uh, he did not get fat paid from a certain record label that he put out, <laughs> Most Tasteless. So he's still waiting well, on that check. that's, there's, I mean, there's Allegedly. a lot yeah, of. Yeah, that's just from a text that someone sent us that he may or may not have said. We're, we're not disparaging anyone. We're just <laughs> passing along the innuendo that. <laughs> he may or may not have gotten paid for that. That's okay. So, I mean, I know you've talked about it at nauseum at other podcasts, um, and you touched on it here that you saw Twisted coming into the studio. You just hooked up with them naturally based on what I've gathered. Um, you recognizing their hard work and talent and them doing the same for you. Um, just yeah, well, they 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 straight spirits. up came in. They're like, "Hey, would you be you know? Would you want to do a project with us?" And again, I knew I knew them from you know from seeing them around. I had never actually done sessions with them, and I was like, well, "Of course, you know." And then once they told me basically the deal with you know with most tasteless, how they got you know sued six ways from Sunday <laughs> because of, you know, using shit that they shouldn't have been doing. They're like, the main thing is, is that we can't, you know, sample anybody because, you know, we're not looking to go through all that again. So I had, you know, I've been recording shit since forever. So I've got just tons of just guitar stuff and drum stuff. That's all just like stuff that, you know, played and none of it's released because it was never on anything mm -hmm. and so we just like chopped up that stuff for sample purposes and didn't have to worry about getting sued because it was mine to begin with. So I could sue myself, I suppose, if I wanted to do that. Yeah, that is um, interesting because I, I was thinking that I never really noticed a sample on any songs you're connected to, really. You know, yeah, you're a, for, even from the era before when people were sampling like crazy. Yeah, you're a from well, scratch I did, kind of guy. It was funny because Paul, when I was working on uh, his Chainsmoker project, he's like, I need samples for this stuff here and he told me the stuff he wanted so i would make songs that were just short little itty bitty songs with like me singing and me playing everything and i'd sample that just rather than try to dig and find it i'm like i'll just make it you know <laughs> and so that's throw that in there and people would never know any different because it, it sounds like it's supposed to yeah. you know that's the main thing does it sound cool okay yeah. that works, <laughs> it <then>. works <laughs> And so sticking with what we've done on our podcast, uh, our first season, we went through Most Tasteless, and that was, like we said, mostly Scott Sumner. Second season, if we jump a little ahead, yeah, we did one. Dark Lotus, Tales from the Lotus Pod. So Tales from the Lotus Pod. It is not, I mean, I, I know you talked Freak Show pretty thoroughly on Twisted's podcast, which was really good. Yeah. It was you and they had uh, Arnett on it, too, talking about the, uh, the art. The art. Mm -hmm. um, so if anyone wants to dive more into Freak Show, go listen to Twisted's podcast. I think it was episode two, right? Yeah, um, I believe so. But we fast forward a little bit and... Tales from the Lotus Pod is a, a album that was three years in the making from Psychopath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so many different producers, so many different eras. It, it was so many pieces of a puzzle that one could argue may or may not have fit together, um, <laughs> or it shouldn't have fit. Just timing and. <laughs> People yeah, the amount of stop, starts and stops, like I said, people in and out and everything going on with it. Did right. you 
feel that like you were a, a square peg in a round hole or did you feel pressure or? Well, the, the, what the deal was, was okay. We did freak show and then we did mirror mirror. And when we were doing mirror mirror, what I would do is I'd go, I think it was on Tuesdays is I'd go over to the Lotus pod on Tuesdays to work with them there. And so we'd kind of bounce between the disc and the Lotus pod. And what ended up happening because with Lotus originally, it was supposed to be Mike Clark doing it, but then they had their big falling out with Mm -hmm. Joe. But Alex came to me at the disc and wanted me. He's like, we're starting a studio an in-house studio. We want you to come over there. But, I mean, it wasn't necessarily like a financial thing, but since I had known, like I had known, I mean, and I'd, I'd worked with ICP with them coming in and doing show tapes. And I knew like from back, like tunnel of love where this guy, big Frank was worked for the school and I knew him and he actually brought that in. He's like, well, check this shit out. Here are these guys I'm working with. And I'm like, oh, that's (laughs) crazy shit. So I knew knew of them but i'd heard lots of stories involving over there and it was like okay do i really want to go from this craziness that's here do i want to step up the so i was like i didn't even get back with alex i didn't even say yes no or whatever Mm -hmm. i was just like i kind of was just was was stewing on that Mm -hmm. did they i'm sorry like to interrupt but and i don't we should have asked this originally. Was he asking you just to come over or was he propositioning you to like build their studio for them? Because the lore is that that was Mike P that they brought him in to like, yeah, put together ground up, build that studio. Like, are you, was that in conjunction with, or do you think you were offered at first? I, you know, I, I, timing wise, I don't even, I don't even remember. I just remember when Alex came in, he was saying that they were building a studio. I'm pretty sure that they had, cause the, the person who built the studio was the same guy that did, uh, work at the disc, uh, a guy by the name of Jim Orzel. Okay. Who ended up like hosing me on a home remodeling project, <laughs> but he, <laughs> but he, he did, he was, he was tight with Scott Sumner. So he's the one who like built the studio, but you know, with Mike P I know that he picked out a lot of the shit. So I don't know. It might've been that he wanted me to come over and, and do that. But again, I don't, I don't remember right. if it was like, Hey, you know, come over here and, you know, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll put the studio together, you know, whatever you want. Gotcha. So, but so I would, I'd go over there when we were doing mirror, mirror, but what happened, what had happened <laughs> was, uh, I worked at the desk. I worked with Shaggy's younger brother mm-hmm. who was in a group called toxic. Yes. Mike three, Tom, Mike and Mike. Yes. Joe found out that they were like using 
ICP's name to kind of like get over. And then I wasn't allowed to go to the Lotus pod anymore because I worked with them, even though I didn't have an option of who I was working with. (laughs) So when we were doing the stuff we did for tales for the Lotus pod, we had to do that at the disc and then send that over to Mike P at the Lotus pod because I wasn't allowed to go over there anymore. And that's when that happened, it was one less G same thing where Mm. I would do that at the disc, but then they'd have to ship that over. And I think there was ABK stuff over there too. And then that's how that stuff is like Mike P would take and, and replay all my guitar parts for dark Lotus and for blaze Mm -hmm. strip me out, put his stuff in the only guitar part that, stayed on any of that is that actual melody line for juggalo family is me playing guitar for some reason he didn't take that out because i don't think which is the he could get the right sound for it fucking so. most iconic song <laughs> if not in their history yeah is that but, the, the opening the opening noise that you hear that do down that's the yeah that's yeah. well that's Oh, here, oh, here there's the guitar. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Look at that. It's this right here. So I've still got Goosebumps. somewhere. I've got a CD with uh, with the original version on it, with the original guitars. I've got, I know I've got the original version of uh, Given Half a Chance by Blaze before Mike P changed that the way he did. Mm-hmm. I've got the OG version of that with me, with all my guitars and the, the, the way that it originally was. So interesting. They he'd go and kind of strip me out and put himself in there and, you know, however, (laughs) (laughs) wherever, why ever, you know, it, it, it all ends up working in the end, but I just think it's a, it's a trip because it was like everything came out of juggalo family except the actual melody part. (laughs) So, and that CD is weird because there's no credits. There's no nothing. It's just a right. Blank. And that's the thing is like, I would trying to tell people it's like, well, here's, you know, the songs that I did on it. And they're like, well, that's bullshit. There's no, there, I, there aren't any credits on it. So hours, anybody to know other than, you know, yeah. Yeah. This is kind of what's started our, uh, discussion of we need to talk to you because we did Lotus and we're like piecing together. We're like, we know these are like the four or five that Fritz and Twisted brought, but yeah, like what mm-hmm. was he working on? And then now we're diving into Tales in our next season. And again, the credits are a jumbled mess. And we know like you started a majority or all of that and it was changed up. So that's kind of where like we need to get to the bottom of how this actually was pieced together because it's uh, both of them are yeah, convoluted. It was mess. like, again, again, it was supposed to be Mike Clark, but then it's not Mike Clark. So then it's Mike P. But then, you know, we're, me and Twisted are, are sending stuff over there. So I, I just, again, I wasn't allowed to be there. So <laughs> I wasn't privy to what was going, <laughs> going on. So. And I was, just, and then after a while, after I after I was done with my time out of working <laughs> with somebody that I had no option of working with, then I was allowed to come over there again. So, and then Alex swooped me out of the disc, and then the first thing I did when I went over there, the very first thing I did was jump steady. <laughs> that was so the chaos theory. Is that what it been? That was the first yep. one. Yeah, chaos yeah. theory. Do you know? I mean, I don't know how even we pieced it together. We have. 
you credited for three songs. Give me that blood, headache, and yep. juggalo family. Yep. I, I think those are the only three or uh that sounds like that sounds like it. I think that might be. I think there were only three that we did. And we always, but, I, if I asked an artist, I always want to know in a super group like that, how hard is it for six different voices to have a cohesive voice, which if you listen to that CD front to back, sometimes it's not, they're kind of not there, <laughs> but now we're talking, there's three different producers on it too. Like not that that CD isn't great or has like a place in juggalo history, but right, there's yeah, just it's, so many it's, pieces, like so many cooks in the kitchen that how did that pie come out when there was right. well, 18 different recipes? I don't know recipes? on that one, but I can definitely speak for Black Rain because that, I'm very, very familiar with that because that was a whole other level of just nuts we may have to uh, pencil that in for a future season and i have a fritz episode volume two (laughs) the future so you you alluded to it so laying on top of us now this season we're doing one less g in the hood blazes Mm -hmm. first lp um right around the same time did we talk about, I don't know if we talked about, did you, stepping half a step back, did you work with him on his EP? Because we feel like that got done and brought that feels to the very record disc album. Yes, we did that. That was, that was basically the same time that we were doing Freak Show. Okay. So that was almost yeah, they came the out. same time we were kind of doing that. Because, I mean blaze would be in the studio when we were working on that anyhow because they'd have you know just the same gang of people who would Mm -hmm. come hang out so he was always around but yeah that was that was uh a lot of me on there too and a lot of and same thing with like paul and jamie it was the whole sister serosa sound squad yeah. <laughs> Piece <laughs> together. we were pacing shit together that's what we that's what we called it but so what yeah that was all that was all done at the disc that was all most of my production and and it was that that's that's a dope one i liked i liked that one. Oh yeah that's Just an all-timer thugging, yeah. <laughs> thugging and mashing and <laughs> there was if he was going to do it anywhere it had to be done at the disc it's yes that's screams detroit hip-hop that, yeah, that yeah. One. yeah you're trying to be a grimy local rapper like that's yeah. the sound yeah. that's um, and he's dead to boot so you know <laughs> Did you, I mean, obviously by that time, I'd say you were working closely with, friendly with everyone. Did you feel pressure to make Blaze's CD as awesome as possible to get him a spot on the roster? You know, like, was this a, hey, this is my tryout for Psychopathic? Uh, I'm sure he felt the pressure. Do you feel that same pressure or is it just another day in the office? It's always the, the the way that I look at it is everything that I work on becomes my favorite project at the time, Mm -hmm. because you got to approach it with, you know, if you're just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's just making another big Mac. Then it doesn't, (laughs) it, you try to just make it the best that you can. So what, whatever, whatever the intention was behind it, I wasn't even privy to any of that because it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if he was just going to be like, I'm just making a bump tape, you know, that I'm going to, you know, press CDs for my family. Right. You know, it's making it as cool 
as possible. And that he, if he used that as like the angle to get in there, I mean, that's cool too. Yeah. So I guess I should have asked that same question back with Lotus, like, but I guess we can tie all this together. Mm-hmm. Like how long did it take until it took until you realized the scope of the juggalo world, like dark Lotus, like we said, it was a CD that was, three, four years in the making and people yeah, the hype on it. went crazy for it. Like, did, did you, how long did it take until you realized how big and rabid of a fan base this was? <laughs> and even like pressure with that, like maybe that's better that you didn't have the pressure of like, man, people have been waiting for the CD yeah, for three years. For like it was just, you were still doing your best, but you didn't like realize. Right. Cause I mean, a lot of the time, a lot of the time it's just like the, you know, when, when we got done with freak show, it took me probably a year before I listened to it again, because we had gone over it so many times that it was like, it's cool, but I'm done with <laughs> right. it. You know, I gotta, I gotta, you know, put that on pause for a second. So, cause we spent so much time on it, but I think it was when, uh, I went to hollow wicked the year that that came out. That was 2000. I the, think that was in another year. Yeah. And so to be there for that, that I'm, you know, you start to get a feel for it. And then, and then really when uh, when I would first started going to gatherings in 2002 was where you can really kind of see the scale of that mm-hmm. and just what, you know, what people are, people are into it. So yeah. it that's like when a, the snowball started rolling. So you kind of jumped in right when it's, you know, it has a little bit of momentum and it's just rolling down the hill when you got in there. Yeah, Cause that was, that's, that's what, I mean, I remember like being there at like Nelson ledges with just like, you know, with Lotus doing juggalo family and just seeing just this sea of people there, like all just, you know, catching the Holy ghost, you know, <laughs> Lotus. And it's like, it's that guitar rip. It is. That's, <laughs> That's me playing that. That's pretty cool, you know. <laughs> right. So you know, and that was I. I felt that this year at uh, last year at Fright Fest too, where people were, you know. And then actually, one of the people I was with, the the girl was like, you know, do you, you know, do you like it when people are into your music? I'm like, that's the whole reason why I do it, you know. <laughs> and that best part is, is, since nobody knows who I am, it's like it's I can just like be standing there and not getting to have to worry about people, right. you know, bugging me. I'm just like, you, checking it you out. probably knocked Fritz yeah, yeah. over trying to get to the bar. <laughs> I don't know stuff. what you're talking about. <laughs> I got excited. It was a fun show. Stumbling over <laughs> to that sidebar. Uh. So I'm sorry. Back to one less G, which is what we're talking about. Um, you have production credits for playing on maggot face. Here I am. Hood rats Saturday afternoon, given half the chance and thug for life. That's almost, half the cd Mm -hmm. do you have any and again with the that stuff we did at the at the disc and then sent it over to the lotus pod for you know because they just the way that they would do things were then you know if jay was working on one of the clowns projects then you know mike p would be doing that but then if he had some obviously he had time open away from the clowns that they were like okay well here no you're working on you're doing this blaze project Mm -hmm. because either i was doing something with twisted or however whatever Mm -hmm. it was but i know that we did that stuff at the disc and then sent it over there because again i've got 
the the original version of given half a chance that's that's my original version right. of it you know before it got changed to the way it is yeah, on we'll, we'll have to uh, di- we'll dissect that when we get to that in a couple of weeks so <laughs> um and i know i think blaze mentioned it in a previous interview that when he when he did his verses he heard just your original beats he went on tour and came back and all that stuff like you said was layered or changed or added on so it's kind of interesting that he heard basically a different album than when he came back uh from right from tour. and i mean and that that again that might have been it and that'd be crazy if there's if they just like took it and had him record all his parts and then just decided okay we're gonna go change all this shit and then here <laughs> it, it does here seem it like yeah even with the um the skit at the end it, it does seem yeah. like they sent him out on tour with four or five songs and God, did we read or hear that somewhere where he laid down all of his vocals, went on tour, and then got worked on at and the studio, <laughs> kind of without him? Yeah, so he back was, and I mean, I, that's I, again, I wasn't allowed. To yeah. that, <laughs> and so I don't know. And that was a time. I mean, you alluded to it. They had so many projects going on at the same time, just yeah. back to back to back within. A year and a half, two years, you're talking Freak Show, Mirror, Mirror, Lotus, Jay's EP, leading into the sixth, like so much. You know, bringing ABK, and then, you know, in 2002, you get Esham in the mix, too. So it's just, yeah, there's... And that adds to the the Lotus lore, because everyone's like, well, was that a Lotus song? Like, you know, something on Freak Show or something on Blaze. Was that recorded for Lotus and saved for this or, you know, recycled for this? That's become like this whole lore in the juggalo world of people just yeah. dissecting which which songs were in what sessions and where yeah, when they were recorded because it god forbid anything with three people on it's like oh that's got to be a lotus song but they saved it for well, something it, else and it's like well yeah because it gives it says given half a chance performed by dark lotus <laughs> <laughs> even like um what is it um it seems like there's one on every cd in that era that's just yeah everyone yeah, thinks it, uh, it's lotus the uh yeah the one that 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 uh that Shaggy produced off a freak show where uh, I'm a maniac. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's got blink. everybody on it. So that, that must be way free, back. But yeah. yeah. But that's still in that general right. area because I was from the second one, right? Yeah. So. Right. But yeah. It, God. Yeah. There's just so much, so much going on at that it, time. It would have been Lotus if it had the original Mars on it, but it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Now we're talking. <laughs> Did you have anything else, one less G related? I mean, we just started talking yeah. about the CD, so we don't have, we're not that deep into it. We were just, yeah, I guess know. curious on just those are the songs that you you know credited for, but were you did you basically start with all of it? Like, were you your hands on the beginning of all all the tracks, or do you remember uh, anything like that? No, generally, generally it's it's you you know you just start making beats for it, and then you just start slinging them to people mm-hmm. and then you know if they record to them cool if they don't you know whatever's whatever it's just you constantly feed them it's constantly just working on stuff and then once you get enough then you're like okay well this is almost an album then what are we gonna you know add some more stuff to it to make it an actual album but it's again we we just be working on stuff for blaze and then knowing that i mean he's going to use it for something eventually right and then we just send it okay here you go chris take it over you know take it over there and especially if they (laughs) 
have him record all his vocals and then send him on tour and then put the album together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Working that horse. <laughs> Get him out there. He's a dead him. body. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know. Yeah, he doesn't need sleep. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like the only one that I actually have just a sole credit on is Thug for Life. And Blaze Probably. referenced that saying that that was from an old R&B group you recorded at the disc? It was, it was originally made for to kind of shop to an R&B okay. group or somebody that was wanted to do R&B that just didn't ended up, you know, using it. But yeah, that was because we, I mean, I used to do like a ton of R&B stuff there. So I was trying to like get into doing production for that. Yeah. But then, you know, it's, that's a tough thing to get into. I did a lot of, played a lot of bass for R&B stuff, but never any production for it. But I tried, but it, Hey, it came, it came out on a Blaze album. <laughs> yeah. we, we enjoyed it, so for, luckily for right, us, it yeah, landed exactly. there. As long as somebody enjoys it, it doesn't matter. It's, uh, you know. So. I don't know. We don't have much else because those we've kind of covered all of our seasons here. Um, mm-hmm. And we know that you've obviously stuck with Twisted and Blaze throughout the years, still working with them. We see your name mm-hmm. all the time on almost every project, and we uh, suspect we will continue seeing and hearing you yeah and and that's you know and that's what i will continue to do (laughs) provide that service to the underground so uh do you make it out to astronomicon every year yeah i do all right well we'll have to uh last year last year i smoked a brisket and pulled pork and brought that up there what the hell Come and on so by probably, to the 20 by 20 table. That's where we'll be at. So bring that brisket right over to us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, it, but again, because it's cool because nobody knows who I am. So I just go there and wander around. There might be every now and then I'll get somebody who's like, hey, can I get a picture with you? <laughs> Some people know, but the vast majority of people, because I'm just not out there like that. Mm-hmm, so it's right. cool. I just go undercover. You don't have a gimmick. You know, that's what it is. You need a little gimmick behind you. Yeah. The cat. You got to accentuate the cat. He doesn't have a gimmick. His name is Fritz the Cat. It's a gimmick in itself. I always knew the name like as a cartoon, right. but Did I just, just started looking into the cartoon and it's wild. <laughs> I'm just, well, here's the deal. Here's how that whole thing came about <laughs> is that. Every place that I worked as a young man, like the whoever was my supervisor, whoever was above me, went to college in the 70s. And so immediately when they hear the name Fritz, that's the first thing they thought of was that, you know, yeah. hey, Fritz the Cat. So they would put my name on the schedule as Fritz the Cat. <laughs> and and it, again, I knew of the movie, but it was like it, it wasn't like it was my thing or anything. Right. And then this the the one studio i first started started out with working the guy actually booked airplane tickets fritz the cat <laughs> still got the boarding pass and i'm like what happens if something happens right. and i got to show id yeah. and he just thought it was hilarious same thing hotel room fritz the cat like i'm like Different I'm going time, to Vegas. Yeah. What the hell's going to happen if I need to show an ID for anything? And he didn't care. So it was like when people were like, "Well, how do you want credit on the album?" I'm like, well, "Fuck it. If uh, people been calling me the Cat forever, then guess what? I'm going to run with it." So there. Nice. You know, you've been calling me Fritz Cat forever, so whatever. I got some. Fritz nice. I remember when we first seen it on the the booklets and the credits. are like, "Who's this guy? What is, what is his name?" <laughs> yeah. Well, now we know the backstory. Yeah. Now we got to watch the movie, right? 
Watch along, maybe. Seems wild. <laughs> yeah, counterculture. Yeah. All right. That's well, I think drug. that that's all we got. Um, Unless you have any uh, a plug skis you want to put in there. Yeah. Parting words, websites, uh, where people can well, find you. Uh, well, the, at FTC Music Labs for Instagram and Facebook. You know, I try to. I'm usually like busy and can't really whatever projects I'm working on. It's hard to like put out there because they usually have to keep it under wraps until we're actually mm-hmm, ready to right. release them. So I can just basically put like random musical things out, non-project specific. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've got beats on my Beatstar page. I got uh, you know, I do mixing, mastering, whatever. Just send me a. Send me a message either through Facebook or uh, or Instagram. Does Magic Ninja still have their Beats page for sale? No, no, they didn't. Uh, but the stuff that I had up there, I moved to my BeatStars okay. page. Gotcha. So they they took that down because it was they couldn't push it the way that it needed to be pushed. Mm-hmm. So that was just one too many things to have to no, worry about. I got you. No, we're friends with Jesse uh, Stir Crazy, and I always see him uh-huh. pushing his beats every 10 minutes on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> he pumps them out. Yeah. Talking about working 24 hours right. a day, that kid's nonstop. So, right, um, right. Yeah, no, there's beats out there, but if you want them, if you need them, go see our man Fretz. Maybe see Jesse. I don't know. Get that sick guitar lick down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bust out that guitar. Let's hear it. <laughs> All right, we appreciate your time, Fretz. Thank you very much. All right, thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. And there you have it. That's our interview with Fritz the Cat. Thanks to Fritz and everyone over at Magic Ninja Entertainment for allowing us to have this open conversation with the producer of some of your favorite Juggalo albums. You can follow Fritz on all social medias. We'll have all of his handles in our show notes. Don't forget, you can follow us everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at JuggaloRWD. Come to our website, JuggaloRewind.com. We also want you to give us a call. Give us a text message, 810-666-666. 1570 or drop us an email at juggalorwd at gmail.com don't forget to like rate review subscribe anywhere you are listening or watching this video that's it for this week next week we'll be right back on track with your regularly scheduled season four so until then this is peter from the Juggalo Rewind. See you next week. All music played in this episode and in this entire season is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. So I died, now I'm back in a blast in a mile.